Let's go to the UK now. Our correspondent today is Harriet Lyne, Deputy Political Editor of the Daily Mail. Uh, good morning, Harriet. A lot happening in the area of MPs' security and a, a, a quite a large spend on boosting security measures. What is the context, please, Harriet? Hi, good morning. Yeah, so... There's a couple of th- things to to note here. One is that two MPs in the last eight years have been murdered, uh, Labour's Jay Cox and the Conservative MP Sir David Amos. And so the threat facing MPs is pretty high anyway. That threat has risen as a result of uh, the conflict in Gaza um, and the very sort of uh, adamant stance from those calling for a ceasefire. And there have been some quite, I think, unsavoury scenes uh, by some of those calling for a ceasefire with protests outside MPs' homes, for example. Now, over the years, particularly in the wake of the murder of Joe Cox, there have been a number of changes to uh, improve MP security. But the government today has unveiled a £31 million package to boost security measures for politicians. Um, and that is mostly because of fears that they are being intimidated by um, people call it, or people who are very pro a immediate ceasefire in Gaza. Now, those um, changes are to uh, MPs' homes and offices and bringing in additional private sector delivered protective security where necessary. I think three female MPs already have uh, protection and they're not ministers, obviously cabinet ministers, the prime minister, uh, and the leader of the opposition now have their own security kind of detail. Um, but it is unusual uh, and a sort of sense of how big that threat is becoming that MPs, uh, a few MPs are having to uh, to be given extra security. Now, um, the Home Secretary announced this funding today, but Tory MP Mike Freer, who earlier this month announced um, that he is going to stand down at the election over safety fears. His office was firebombed recently, his constituency office. Luckily, nobody was harmed. But uh, he's a justice minister uh, and a very popular MP. But he has basically said these risks are too much and he's standing down. But he's been very critical of these new uh, of this new funding from the Home Secretary. He says that the extra cash is not actually going to the root cause of the problem, um, which is, you know, his his fear is that people are being emboldened to target MPs and extra protection is 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 not gonna stop people feeling that way. Um and he said then you're just gonna have to have a ring of steel around MPs and our whole style of democracy changes. Um now this has been a, a big uh, issue over the last couple of weeks. And earlier this week, the Labour MP Harriet Harman, a veteran, she's actually the, the mother of the House, uh, the longest serving female MP, said that MPs should be able to speak and vote from their constituencies because of concerns around security in Westminster. So effectively suggesting that MPs who are facing these threats could work from home. Now, Downing Street did not like that suggestion, saying that the Prime Minister thought it was really important that we maintain a parliament as a place for free debate and expression of views. And that, if you recall last week uh, when I came on the programme, we talked about the issues with the House of Commons Speaker. That's to do with the fact that Parliament, oh, there is a view that Parliament was being influenced by events outside. And that led to Lindsay Hoyle, the Speaker of the House of Commons, ripping up kind of procedure uh, and precedent and changing uh, the way that MPs were able to vote in an opposition day motion uh, because of the fear of those threats outside. So obviously, this is not an easy problem to solve. And people have the right to protest and demonstrate and express their views. But 
there, of course, there is a line where that becomes too intimidating uh, and where MPs' lives are put at risk and sadly, in some cases, have been uh, have been taken over this. So, um, so yes, it is a... It is an interesting step. Whether it will be enough uh, to protect MPs, though, uh, remains to be seen. The latest on uh, Prince Harry and his personal security. Yeah, so when Prince Harry stopped being a working royal in 2020, I think uh, everyone will remember that, his security status was downgraded. Um, but he has argued since then that he was treated unfairly and claims that he uh, still faces significant security threats. I don't think that's probably disputed. Um, But his lawyers believe that he was singled out and treated less favourably in the decision and has launched legal action against the Home Office over that decision, which was by the Executive Committee of the Protection of Royalty and Public Figures, known as RAVAC. Um, And he uh, that they well, they believe that he should receive a different degree of taxpayer funded protection when he was in the UK. That came as a result of the change in the Duke status. and the fact that he was no no longer a full-time working member of the royal family. But he was arguing against that. And today, in a judgment, uh, the retired High Court judge, Sir Peter Lane, rejected his case and concluded that Ravik's approach was not irrational, nor was it procedurally unfair. Prince Harry has said today, through a spokesman, that he is going to appeal that decision. Uh, A spokesman said on his behalf that the Duke is not asking for preferential treatment, but for a fair and lawful application of Ravek's own rules um, to ensure that he receives the same consideration as others in accordance with its policy. Um, So, yes, that he previously at a hearing in London in December, um, the lawyers said that he had been singled out over this decision. And I think there was a suggestion uh, within, you know, within circles that this was perhaps because of the hoo-ha over him leaving and uh, Mexit, as it was called, when they moved to uh, Canada and then California. Um, But we wait to see whether or not that appeal will be accepted. um, And if they if it is and if there is then a different decision. All right, just finally uh, today, thank you, Harriet. There's a tax hotline. Um, Who's using this and why? Yeah, this is a curious story. The idea of a VIP hotline to HM Revenue and Customs, which MPs and some civil servants and other high profile figures have been able to use. Now, this is a report uh, by a committee of MPs, um, the Public Accounts Committee, which found... um, which which found that this yeah the existence of this this hotline while HMRC uh, has got terrible customer service I think it is quite well known that anyone trying to contact HMRC with a complaint really struggles to get through service levels are at an all time low um, however this little known fast track route called the Public Department One Helpline um, is available where the phones are answered more quickly um, I think it said that it was. In 22 minutes uh, in November and December that uh, the phones were being answered. Um, Sorry, that's for a member of the public. Whereas in uh, November for the VIP lane, it was just one minute and 53 seconds. Um, So much, much, much quicker. Obviously, there is an argument here that some of those people will have more complicated tax affairs. But the idea that this is a a taxpayer-funded service, HMRC is there for all of us to be able to uh, help with tax queries. Um, 
And perhaps some of those who maybe least of all can afford to get a big tax bill might be the ones who are stuck waiting on the end of the phone. Uh, has left a bit of a bitter taste, I think it's fair to say, uh, in the mouths of a lot of people today. Yes, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, a hotline to uh, His Majesty's Revenue and Customs. Unbelievable. Okay. Thank you very much, Harriet Lyne. She is Deputy Political Editor of the Daily Mail.